0: Yeah. All right. Okay. We're going to go ahead and call this meeting of the Budget and Audit Committee of the Sacramento City Council to order on September 6th, 2022. If the clerk could please call the roll to establish a quorum.
1: Council Member Jennings? Here. Council Member Vang? Here. Mr. Steinberg will be absent. Vice Chair Guerra?
0: Here. Thank you, Madam Clerk. If uh, all could rise and uh, join me in the um, land acknowledgement and then the Pledge of Allegiance. Please rise for the opening acknowledgement in honor of Sacramento's indigenous people and tribal lands. To the original people of this land, the Nisenan, the Southern Maidu, the Valley and Plains Miwok, the Putwan-Wintun people, and the people of the Wilton Rancheria, Sacramento's only federally recognized tribe, May we acknowledge and honor the native people who came before us and still walk beside us today on these ancestral lands by choosing to gather together today an active practice of acknowledgement and appreciation of sacramento's indigenous people's history contribution and lives and if folks could join me in the pledge of allegiance towards the flag salute pledge i pledge, I pledge allegiance, allegiance to the flag, to the flag, flag of the united states, states, states of america and to the and republic, republic for which, which it stands one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all Two. Okay. Uh, Thank you, Madam Clerk. Madam Clerk, if we can please move on to the first item on the agenda, our consent calendar.
1: Thank you, Vice Chair.
0: Let me bring this over here. Madam Clerk, do we have any members of the public signed up to speak on the consent calendar?
1: Vice Chair, I have no hands raised to make public comment, and I have no one in the chambers to make public comment on this item.
0: Thank you very much, Madam Clerk. Let me bring this back to the committee. Is there any questions or comments or an action from the committee?
1: I'll move the items.
2: I will second the items. They seem to be in order.
0: It's been properly moved by uh, uh, Council Member Vang and properly seconded by Councilmember Jennings. Uh, if there's no further discussion, seeing none, Madam Clerk, if you could please call the roll.
1: Council Member Jennings? Yes. Council Member Vang? Yes. Mr. Steinberg is absent. Vice Chair Gatta. Aye. Motion passes.
0: That measure carries. All right, Madam Clerk, if we could please go on to the next item of our committee hearing, which is the discussion calendar.
1: Thank you. Your first item is item four, amending the master fee and charges schedule to authorize fees for the staff review and appeals concerning the infeasibility waiver of the building electrification ordinance.
3: Good afternoon. I'm Bob Latz. I'm your Acting uh, Interim Chief Building Official the Department. The um, Building Electrification Ordinance Phase One is set to take effect January 1st, 2020, 2023. For new buildings constructed, uh, three stories or less to be all electric and will be in effect until December 31st, 2025. I feel it's important to note that this is for new construction and does not apply to existing buildings. It also does not include additions, alterations, or tenant improvements to existing buildings. In conjunction with the ordinance, city staff and a select technical committee was tasked with creating and developing an infeasibility waiver document to provide a roadmap for projects that the developer or applicant feel can't meet the ordinance criteria. Within the document, Exemptions were established for buildings four stories or more, food establishments on the ground floor for cooking equipment, manufacturing and industrial process loads, and water heating and regulated affordable housing where virtual net energy metering is unavailable. Should the developer, the applicant, believe that they cannot meet the electrification ordinance criteria, they have the ability to file for an infeasibility waiver the development or applicant would be required to submit a completed waiver application and all supporting documentation for consideration of a waiver to the building department with an administrative processing fee of $492, which derived from the current and established hourly fee of 164 dollars and a fee of $1,500 for the technical consultant who has an established fee of $250. The building department would enter the waiver information into the Acela software program for tracking and bundle the entire package to send to the technical consultant. The technical consultant is charged with reviewing the complete package in order to determine if a waiver should be considered. They would provide a signed recommendation with the justification to approve or deny the request and return that to the building department. Upon receipt, the building official will either approve or deny the request and notify the developer or applicant of the decision. Within 10 days, should the developer applicant choose to appeal the decision of the building official, they will notify the building department at which time the department will collect a fee of $1,640, again, at the base rate of 164 per hour, for processing the appeal at the established rate and notify the city clerk's office to be put on calendar. The building department will process the appeal, collecting all the documentation, writing the staff report, hold briefings if necessary, and attend the appeal meeting. The fees associated are proposed for cost recovery for the city. The appeals process follows the process already established for appeals of decisions. We are asking for you to approve our our proposed fees so that we may include them in the law and ledge presentation to be held September 20th. I'm available for any questions or clarify any concerns.
4: So, okay. I will take the gavel from <laughs> the mayor pro tem here. Hi. Oh,
3: you're back. Oh, there we go. <laughs> I'm
4: letting, he's the, des, the, de, the designated guy here. I, I'll ask a question. Thank you. Thank you, Mayor Pro Tem. So can you review again? Cause I think it's really helpful uh, to anybody who may be watching. In fact, some of the business leaders may be watching because I know there's been concern about some of this. Exactly what the process is. You lay out what the criteria are, but the process for determining whether or not to grant the infeasibility waiver. Um, And how is the adjudication of that fair? Uh, Will the business uh, get, uh, is it a fair shot? Uh, here let's just go through that together so that we all understand the process that we're setting up please right so I think it's important to remember that this
3: again is only for new constructed buildings beginning January 1st understood so a developer applicant a business owner would be engaging with a design professional to be able to take in land acquisition go through the planning entitlement process and knowing that our ordinance is requiring for the building to be designed as all electric. So based on the type of business that they have, the location that they are looking for, their uh, communication with our utility, whether or not the infrastructure is available, and that they can provide that infrastructure to to feed that building with the electric. they can decide whether or not they would be able, or determine whether or not they would be able to meet the established ordinance criteria.
4: Right, but who decides? So there's a dispute. City says, no, we think, uh, we think you can do this. H- how is that dispute decided?
3: Okay, so I appreciate that. So we don't have the technical expertise in our department to determine what is infeasible, given the criteria that they need to follow. And that's why we made the recommendation to have a technical expert or consultant on staff to review what would be infeasible and what would not be infeasible. And we're relying on their expertise being in the industry and having experience in this to give us a justification as to whether or not they meet or they do not meet the intent of the ordinance.
4: Okay. And are the restaurateurs, for example, going to have some say in choosing who this, uh, a uh, technical uh, expert is and are they going to serve for uh, a limited term or it's just going to be indefinite? Um, great question, I appreciate that. At this I point- I only ask good questions. <laughs> <but>. <laughs> um,
3: at this point, uh, because of the time timeframe, um, we are extending an existing contract with a technical consultant currently and hope to be able to study how many of the applications we would actually receive and the determination of that because part of our task also is to see how many challenges there are or how many can meet the criteria that's been set in front in specific to the restaurateurs again this is a brand new building coming up out of the ground i'm
4: all for this ordinance by the way but there's a lot of understood there's a lot of pushback so that's i'm trying to channel the pushback here a little bit
5: fair enough good afternoon chair and members of the committee i'm matt hurdle long range planning manager working with very closely with Bob and team on this whole process. And if you may, I I will just uh, note that council directed staff in June of last year to set up a 14 member technical panel. And since then we've met with the technical panel six times starting in February, ending in August. And that consisted of five representatives from the restaurant association, other representatives from the businesses, manufacturers, uh, home builders, affordable housing developers, um, a, a very, you know, large group of individuals that was selected by uh, the council process and went through an application process. So over the course of six months we've developed this infeasibility waiver guidance document will be which will guide all the decisions that are made by the technical panel as well as the recommendation and final approval by the chief building official at the end of the day. And so we've presented that, worked with the, the uh, panel they've made uh, a lot of input and we've made substantial changes based on that input. In the Law and legislation committee, will actually see that document in, in full, come September 20th, and it'll also be asked. Uh, City council will be asked on November 1st uh, to approve that document. Okay,
4: I just make this point to you and take it as you will, which is that we all know that on highly sensitive matters, that perception can become the re- reality, whether it's fair or not. And so, I would suggest that you get really get the input of the people who are unhappy with this ordinance around this whole process of the feasibility waiver. Who do they get the opportunity to, if not either have a say, or at least to meet the firm or firms that are going to be doing this work. Um, uh, And to really make this, obviously there's gotta be some arm's length so I'm not suggesting that you go too far, but that there be some genuine transparency and an extra effort to make sure that they at least buy into the process, even if they don't like the, even if they may not like the end result, because the last thing we want is on the back end to say that for anybody to say the process was unfair because the the firm uh, you know has this history or uh, there are things that haven't been vetted. In a in in a public way so that once these determinations begin getting made people say okay well they have the expertise they have a history of fairness we've met them we know who they are and then we can go forward from there very good thank you
0: okay Thank you mr <clears throat> Thank you mr. mayor and uh, uh, first uh, I just want to also remind uh, just for those that are watching what we are reviewing today is an amendment to the master fee agreement we will as Mr. Hurdle mentioned during the law and legislation committee, we'll discuss the policy aspect of, of the electrification ordinance and that aspect of it here. But first, uh, before we uh, ask for members of the public, I do want to recognize and thank uh, Bob uh, Lutz here. This is your, your first time presenting before a council. Is that correct? It is. Thank you. Well, good job. You guys had the mayor right on, uh, giving you the, the, uh, the, the, the first challenge there. So Madam clerk, uh, do we have members of the public signed up to speak on this item both virtually or in in, in the chambers
1: uh, so vice chair i have no hands raised in zoom and i have no speaker slips in chambers
0: thank you madam clerk let's bring this back to the committee here are there questions from the committee here if uh, not I, I do have a, a question myself more concerned about the fee system now it <clears throat> seems to me we have about thousand dollars and, and a good, again there's a process involved uh, that dictates how fees are are uh, set to recover the cost of administering the program, and so they're not. Uh, so there's there's a process in that, uh, but the way I see it here, it, correct me if I'm wrong. It, it's almost about sixteen hundred dollars that someone would have to apply just to say that they're not, that they they that they should not be forced uh, or do not meet the 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 categories. Uh, of all electrification, is that correct?
3: Yes, sir. Actually, closer to 1942. So
0: 1940. it's almost $2,000. So <laughs> correct. Now, this is only for new buildings, new building construction. Is that correct? That is correct. Yeah. Now, and I understand uh, that uh, uh, you know that when you're looking at new building construction, $2,000 over the you know overall project might be small, or you know, may and some people say marginal, but. Uh, you know at least in, in my council district we were trying to uh, over the last uh, six years we've been trying to encourage you know small any kind of development on Stockton Boulevard in one case it was one parcel where it was two little strip mall uh, type of places with housing up on top uh, Now that's a smaller development <clears throat> and I still even though the, the construction may be large I, I, I am concerned that for the infeasibility waiver being uh, hardship to the smaller businesses, and I, and those that are trying to build out a new place if they can't find, or they find out that look, my clientele is going to be in this area, so uh, I do have that concern. And as we go to council, I want to, I'd, I'd like staff to come back and say, look, is, you know, is there a way uh, to to bifurcate that for small businesses, minority-owned businesses, those that are, you know, usually we're trying to encourage in this area, uh, and there's a lot of questions, so. Um, it may not be a lot, two thousand dollars in for larger projects. Say for uh, uh, if you're a manufacturer that that would qualify for the infeasibility, infeasibility waiver, that may be small, but still, all those add up. Each one adds up. You know, we, each application, each fee, the CUP, all the entitlement process, all those pieces add up. So I'm a little concerned about the the addition of that, that fee there. Uh, and I would like staff to also to, to come back and say, is there is there another way to look at that fee? Is, it, is, is, that the, is, is there a way to reduce that fee? I know we're, we're uh, getting up on, uh, on uh, uh, we're gonna be talking about all our master fee schedule, right? And if you look at that fee schedule, it's got a lot of fees. So um, I'd like to, to uh, have that conversation before it comes back to council. Um, uh, with that, uh, let me go back to the, the members of the committee. Are there other questions or members from the committee? If not, um, thank you uh, very much, Bob. Appreciate your presentation. Uh, th- and uh, let me ask uh, for an action from the board, from the committee. And we're looking for a motion. This, again, is to, to amend the master fee schedule and bring this item to council.
2: <clears throat> so, so
5: just, uh, Chair, uh, just so I'm clear, um, the next step is for us to approve this to come back to the council or to law and law?
0: The fee schedule goes to council as part of the master fee schedule. And, and I'll have uh, you know, a staff respond to this because the policy is one aspect, but the fee schedule
5: is a different one, yes. Yeah, that's a great question. So this would come back to the full city council. Uh, we anticipate for November 1st, you you'll know, be asked to do several things and that's improve the new building electrification ordinance, the infeasibility waiver guidance document and a fee resolution that would establish the fee for this process and for the appeal. And one thing I'd also add, Chair, is that in the next three years, we really don't anticipate many of these waivers coming through the door because we have two off-the-shelf limited exemptions for those groups that have expressed the most concern, that being restaurants and manufacturing process. So they will be able to continue to do gas in their businesses uh, with no process through the end of 2025. So the waiver probably becomes a little bit more important coming to 2026. We've also committed to updating the infusibility waiver process, looking at the fee, looking at the process prior to the next uh, 2026 cycle. So, so chair, I just want to, cause I'm hearing a couple things and maybe I'm not hearing as clearly as I want, but I just want to make sure that when it comes to council, that it's already gone through every other committee process. So we can make the final decision on having all the information just so a timeline is established that it goes through whatever every other committee and then comes to city council last.
0: Yeah, the staff want to kind of discuss kind of how the how each aspect goes through different parts. It's coming through budget and audit because of the fee component.
5: That's correct. Yep. The fee components coming to you today. The next step along the journey will be September 20th at Law and Legislation Committee. We'll be asking uh, the committee there to forward recommendation for the adoption of the ordinance to City Council. The uh, committee will also con- consider the draft and feasibility waiver guidance document. It'll be The first time that that will be vetted. And then the final action, uh, well, there will be passed for publication in October with the final action anticipated for November 1st, and that would be the adoption of the ordinance, the so interusability waiver guidance document, and a fee resolution to establish this fee. Perfect. Okay. Because that's a little different than what the staff report said, but that's as long as we're understanding the process from here, then I'm good with that.
0: That's good. So do we have an action from the committee? I'll, I'll take a motion. I'll make a motion to move it. I'll second. It's been properly moved and seconded. And you know what What might be, might be helpful, Mr. Hurdle, is uh, at the uh, next presentation, is actually to bring that timeline up so that people understand where we are in the process for new buildings. Right. Again, I remind that for those, I think there's a lot of question and misconceptions about what the ordinance does. So uh, thank you, Mr. Hurdle. It's been properly moved and seconded. Madam Clerk, if uh, you could please call the roll.
1: Thank you. Council Member Jennings? Yes. Council Member Vang? Yes. Vice-Chair Guerra? Aye. And Mayor Steinberg?
0: Aye. That measure passes. Thank you very much. All right. Madam Clerk, uh, next item on the agenda.
1: Item 5 is the audit of the city's financial condition.
0: Good uh, <clears throat> Good afternoon, Mr. Osaguerra, our city good auditor.
6: Good afternoon, uh, Pro, uh, Mayor Pro Tem uh, Guerra and uh, Mayor... Steinberg and members of the Budget and Audit Committee. Uh, my name is Jorge Segueda, city auditor. With me today is Farishta Arari, our principal fiscal policy analyst, and also Brian Higginbottom, uh, our senior fiscal policy analyst who uh, work in our research and analysis division, and we're primarily responsible for completing this project. The recommendation that is before you is that you review the audit of the city's financial condition and forward this to the full city council for final approval. Uh, for this presentation, I will have uh, Farishta uh, actually perform the presentation, and I would just like to note how nice it is to be here in person and see you guys actually in person again after almost probably over two years at this point um, and be able to interact with you in person. So uh, I'll be available also uh, to answer any questions once the presentation is complete. Thank you.
0: Thank you very much, Jorge. Good
6: afternoon. Good
7: Um, As Jorge mentioned, my name is Frishta Arari. All right, so the audit of the city's financial condition. Um, A little bit of background, our specific audit objective was to examine the city's financial well-being in four areas, financial position, revenues and expenditures, debt, and capital assets. This report contains three sections and additional appendices. The background section provides information about Sacramento, the peer comparison group, the two models selected to conduct our audit, and the objective scope and methodology of the audit. The other two chapters will be discussed in a little bit. Um, Financial condition is defined in this report as a city's capacity to finance its services on a continuous basis according to three criteria. Its ability to maintain existing service levels, withstand economic disruption, and meet the changing demands brought by growth or decline. We used uh, two financial assessment models to conduct our analysis. The first one, used in chapter one, is a modified 10-point test. The 10-point test was initially developed by Dr. Ken Brown in 1993. In 2006, Dean Mead of the Governmental Accounting Standards Board, GASB, modified the initial test to make use of additional information that was now available in the city's annual comprehensive financial reports, the ACFERS, or formerly known as CAFERS, Uh, due to new GASB standards that had been implemented since 1993. The modified 10-point test covers four financial factors, financial position, financial performance, liquidity and solvency, revenues, debt burden and coverage, and capital assets. The second model used in chapter two is the Evaluating Financial Condition Handbook developed by the International City County Management Association, ICMA. The handbook provides a comprehensive approach to evaluate up to 42 indicators across 11 categories, six of which are financial categories with indicators for revenues, expenditures, operating position, debt, unfunded liability, and capital plans. We selected some of the ICMA indicators that we believed complemented the indicators used in the modified 10-point test. So the modified 10-point test model calls for calculating financial ratios for the city of Sacramento and a group of peer cities. So the chart on the left shows the population of Sacramento and the six California cities we selected as a comparison group. Uh, We selected two larger cities, San Jose and Fresno, and four smaller cities, Long Beach, Oakland, Bakersfield, and Stockton. The chart on the right shows the number of full-time equivalent uh, employees for Sacramento and the benchmark cities. Sacramento has the third largest workforce behind San Jose and Long Beach. This slide details the 10 indicators in the modified 10-point test, how they are calculated, and how to interpret the results of the ratio. All of the information needed to calculate these ratios for Sacramento and the benchmark cities came from the audited annual comprehensive financial reports. The next slide um, shows the summary of Sacramento scores for the 10 ratios we calculated in chapter one using the modified 10-point test. Uh, Points were awarded for each ratio based on which quartile of the benchmark group the results fell. So two points if we fell in the top quartile, one point in the second quartile, zero points in the third quartile, and negative one point if we were in the bottom quartile. By examining Sacramento's performance on these indicators over time, we can observe trends and watch for improvements or decline. Uh, Note that because the scores are based on how well Sacramento is doing compared to the benchmark cities, A drop in the score between years doesn't necessarily mean the city's calculated ratio dropped, but it could also mean that the ratios for the other cities in the benchmark improved more than the city. For example, the city's calculated ratio for liquidity uh, improved from six in 2020 to 6.3 in 2021. But because the ratio for some of the other benchmark cities improved even more, the city's ratio fell to the second quartile where it's score dropped from two in 2020 to one in 2021. The opposite can also be true. Uh, this is why it's also important to see the city's scores compared to itself over the years. Each of the ratios in the auto report provide charts and tables for how the city has done over the past 11 fiscal years to determine whether the city's ratios have improved or deteriorated. So you'll notice that the city had the lowest score over the benchmark period in 2021. Uh, Although it's a change from the previous year, the ratios that affected the score were related to short run indicators and are most likely attributed to the impacts of the COVID-19 pandemic. So this chart um, displays Sacramento's performance against its peer group. Uh, Sacramento is ranked in the top three for eight of the 11 years of the benchmarking period. Uh, Sacramento tied with its peers in 2019, so it's um, emphasized with the red box in the figure. Sacramento's dropped to fourth in 2021, as evidenced in the prior slide, um, is a result of a deterioration of short-term indicators, which typically perform quite well. So Sacramento ranked amongst the best in six of the 11 years. Uh, the city score was better than most for the remaining five years. Sacramento was consistently ranked in the group of govern- governments that were among the best between 2012 and 2016. And then it ranked better than most for three years before returning to among the best in 2020. And again, um, the score declined to five, which is uh, better than most in 2021. Sacramento's strongest performance on the 10-point test over the 11-year period was on ratio two, which is liquidity. Sacramento's liquidity rose from 2.2 in 2011 to 6.3 in 2021. This means that its resources that are most readily converted to cash amount to more than six times the obligations it must pay in the next year. Sacramento's performance on this ratio improved over the benchmarking period despite year-to-year fluctuations. Sacramento's revenues are in comparatively good shape relative to the benchmark. These are the two of the highest performing ratios over the 11 year period. Ratio five is a measure of dependency on intergovernmental aid. Sacramento has not been as dependent on intergovernmental aid and grants as some of the benchmark cities. Sacramento relied on government grants to cope with the pandemic, but 2021's results appear to be an outlier relative to its experience. If you recall, Sacramento used to be in either the first or second quartile in this ratio in the past and fell into third quartile for 2021. Uh, Ratio six measures the extent to which governmental activities, functions, and programs are self-financed through charges, fees, and categorical grants. Sacramento has maintained relatively consistent taxpayer support for governmental activities, ranging between 48% and 58% during the review period. Sacramento was in the first quartile for this ratio in the last few years, but fell to the second quartile in 2021. The Dean uh, modified 10 point test includes three ratios about debt. Uh, these were all the lowest scoring ratios for Sacramento. The two lowest are displayed on this slide. So, ratio seven is primary government debt burden per capita, um, identifies the level of long term debt burden on the city's residents. The total outstanding debt for the city of Sacramento was more than 1.4 billion in 2021. Adjusted by population, the city's per capita debt burden decreased slightly in 2021 from 2,790 to 2,790 from 2,795 in 2020. The lowest per capita debt level was 1,721 in 2012. Um, Sacramento was above the benchmark average between 2016 and 2021. And ratio eight, the enterprise funds debt coverage ratio is a measure of the sufficiency of resources available to repay business type debt. Sacramento's ratios were below other cities in 2018 through 2021. This suggests that Sacramento may not be in as strong of a position to repay enterprise fund debt than the benchmark cities. Um, Sacramento was in the bottom quartile for this ratio in 2021. In chapter two, we reviewed additional ratios that complemented the ratios in the modified 10-point test. Sacramento's governmental activities, long-term liabilities adjusted by population were lower than other cities' averages in the first half of the review period from 2011 to 2015. Um, but surpassed the average during the second five-year period from 2016 to 2020. In 2021, the Sacramento's per capita liability was $1,319, down from its peak in 2016 and from its level in 2011, but still above the average for other cities. In fiscal year 2014, the the total net pension liability for Sacramento was 60.2 million million for the SCRS plan uh, the SCRS liability became an asset in 2021 with a positive value of over $28 million. However, future market performance could impact this position. The liability for the mis- miscellaneous CalPERS plan rose from more than 270 million in 2014 to more than 400 million in 2021. And the safety plan was from 453 million to more than 690 million over this period. So the pandemic affected Sacramento's 2021 performance um, and this was uh, most visible in the short-term measures. Uh, Even with five points in 2021, the city is still performing better than most relative to the benchmark cities. Uh, However, Sacramento has a considerable debt load, which has been independently flagged for monitoring by previous reports from management partners, reports from the city's treasurer's office, and now this report. In addition, the city's net pension liability has been growing over the years and should also be monitored. So we'd like to thank the city treasurer's office, finance department and the city attorney's office for their time and cooperation during this audit. Uh, this concludes my presentation and we're all available to answer any questions you may have.
0: Thank you Farish. I appreciate that presentation. Uh, Madam Clerk, do we have members of the public signed up to speak online or in the, in the audience?
1: Vice Chair, I have no one in the audience with their, and then no one on Zoom with their hand raised.
0: Okay, thank you, Madam Clerk. Let me bring this back to the, the committee here. Uh, Council Member Jennings, are, is, is that from previous or? Yes, it is. Sorry, my apologies. Okay, um, I do have a, uh, if there's another questions from the members here, I do have a question here. So, you know, the enterprise fund debt coverage seems to be kind of the, the big point. Uh, on average, I hear basically we're doing like the other cities on average on point. So but the two areas of concern, at least what I saw from the report was um, the enterprise fund debt coverage and then the primary government debt burden, which we've had a lot of discussions about our overall primary debt government, but uh, on the enterprise fund, you know, particularly because it's fee-based programs, um, where, why have other cities done better, a lot better than us? Or is there something that uh, has occurred that has put us in the bottom quartile of in that area?
7: Um, yes, I believe uh, recently we have uh, was in 2018 um, issued some debt that might have impacted our scoring. Um, f- you know, because we were getting ones and twos before, and then we ended up getting zeros and negative ones after that. Um, so, if we issue some additional debt, then that changes some of the calculations.
0: Okay, well, as uh, I know we're we're passing this on to the to the council, but uh, if you could let me know, cause I know this is basically a balance of what the other cities are doing. Mm-hmm. I'd like to find out where they better managing their debt and maybe we could learn from that. Or is it just the fact that we had more construction and more, uh, more debt obligation. So um, I'd like to understand that a little better before it comes to council. Mm-hmm. And then um, on the primary debt burden, I think that, I mean, I, I a lot of us are facing that, but I, I would like to know uh, g- given the fact that uh, um, if you look at the, at least the on the uh, revenue side uh, correlated, we've been doing very well, but that's because of measure you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'd like to also find out a, an understanding of in comparison to our comparable cities, what on the primary debt uh, burden has been the, uh, uh, that put us in the bottom quartile of the
7: cities. Sure. Yeah, we can um, look into more detail on exactly what the what constitutes uh, the the debt that we have, and compare to the other uh, benchmark cities, and get back to you with the more detailed information on those two.
0: Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Let me bring this back to the committee and ask for a, a motion to move to the council or uh, an action. a I guess comment? I want to ask, uh, Mr. You, Mayor.
4: Yeah. Thank you, yeah so i think that comparison with other cities is is relevant and important but it doesn't tell us everything for example when you conclude that our our per capita debt was below the benchmark average until 2015 but now it is above the benchmark average from 2016 on it doesn't tell us whether or not we're within a, a reasonable range or a reasonable ratio and and maybe that's more of a question for the city treasurer but mm-hmm. it's also part of your auditing function i mean on all of these things are there any red flags i mean uh are there any red flags we're, we're above other cities in positive ways and below in other ways what, what what is of the greatest concern, qualitatively, in terms of the city's financial condition,
0: Mr. Mayor? We also have uh, uh, Treasurer Coville on the line and yes. has raised his
2: hand. <laughs> okay, uh, thanks, Mayor Pro Tem. <clears throat> the big number that really changed our um, our ratios was when we issued the Golden One debt. That was 2016, so we did see a big a bounce in in debt. But it doesn't the, the analysis doesn't take into effect that the kings are responsible for you know an ever escalating uh, lease payment so that that, that kind of needs to be netted out of really the city's contributions so no, it, i think that would make a major impact on on the ratios and, and like the mayor say bring us more in line with what our peers are doing thank you mr uh, treasurer I, I think to the mayor's
0: point uh, in that and i mean the the follow-up also is uh we hope that our benchmark cities are going in the positive tra- trajectory, but if we're on point and they're going in the negative trajectory, that, re- that also doesn't give us uh, the, the best, in, uh, the, the full picture uh, to say. But I would like to see again. But, on, can I yeah. add
2: one thing? Yeah, go ahead, Mr.
0: To- tra- Mr. Trader.
2: We are adding a lot of uh, civil, civil amenities. I mean, we added the Golden One Center. We did the C3. So we're doing a lot of projects that are adding to the quality of life. I don't know if a lot of these other municipalities are actually putting their money out there for these kind of development projects. Fair point. Mm-hmm. Fair point, good. And
4: you made a comment about um, our retirement, our PERS obligations? Yes. Again, when I look at the long-term budget forecast, we, we, we have made progress in dealing with our, our, our long-term unfunded liability for retirement, correct?
7: I believe so. And
4: compared to other, I know there may be comparison issues with other cities, but I just wanna ask, um, again, I go back to the comparison is relevant and helpful, but are there any red flags that your audit uh, exposes for us in terms of the city's financial condition?
7: Yeah, so um, uh, that is uh, important is not only do we look at the peer cities, but we look at our own annual um, ratios over time. Because that would also tell us whether or not we're trending in a positive or negative direction. Um, In regards to government long-term liabilities, when we compared it to the per capita with the other cities, it appears that we we are in line with them, with the average. Um, in the last few years, so um, although it is high, I think all the other cities are also experiencing the same thing with the pension
4: and liabilities. Maybe it's a hard question to answer, but you're not saying that we have any, we always have to worry, that's our job, but we have nothing, nothing extraordinary to worry about in terms of our financial condition, aside from things that are out of our control, like a pandemic or a terrible right. recession or...
6: The things that might come at us,
4: expensive yes. heat waves. Sure. heat waves. Yeah.
6: Sorry, I just want to uh, jump auditor. in here really quick. And I think you know uh, the mayor's point is well taken. And and the intent of producing this type of analysis is not necessarily to provide a ratio that tells you if you cross this threshold you are in you know financial jeopardy, but it's more to illustrate how things have trended over time and perhaps highlight where those trends might be something of interest to our community and to our elected officials and to management to uh, stay uh, aware, well-informed, and ahead of those types of issues should they come up. Because there's so many variables that come into play when you're assessing the condition of an entity that would perhaps counterbalance some particular indicator that is declining um, that, that would need to be weighed. but the the hope and the intent in doing these kinds of analysis is to be able to provide that kind of information and those types of trends so that that stuff can be monitored and so that if something indicates a potential uh issue or a decline you know that can be more closely monitored and if necessary different action can be taken to remedy uh undesirable trends for the city But as of right now, yes, Mayor, like you said, is there a particular red flag that says, you know, you've crossed this threshold, you know, we have a major problem? No, the answer to that is no.
4: That's an important bottom line. And we all also know we always have to keep vigilant here. Okay. And Does
0: that that answer your
6: question, Mayor? Yes, it does. Okay, thank thank you.
0: Thank you, uh, uh, Mr. City Auditor. And again, uh, I think what the staff report illustrated that, uh, you know, that, since 2011, we have been above average. And you know, since 2016, at least, uh, we're in the trajectory among the best. And if it wasn't for the pandemic 2020, uh, compared to our benchmark cities, we are among the best. Uh, obviously, I think uh, uh, Treasurer Colville pointed out something important, that, that yes, while we uh, the scoring amongst the benchmark cities may have gone lower, we also have uh, moved into uh, investing in a lot of Quality of life improvements for the city, so uh, important factors. There. That's correct. Uh, let me bring this back to the committee again. We need an action um, for the uh, to uh, accept the city auditor's report and move it to the council. I saw a hand raised by Mayor Steinberg. Yeah, <laughs>
4: well, I'm happy to move the item. Okay, it's
0: been moved by the mayor, and is there a second? I'll second. It's been seconded by Board Member Vang. Any other comments? saying that Madam Clerk, if you could please call the roll.
1: Council Member Jennings? Yes. Council Member Vang? Yes. Vice Chair Gatta? Aye. And Mayor Steinberg? Yes.
0: Great. Thank you. That uh, measure passes. And uh, again, I'd, I'd like to just thank all of our city staff and employees because uh, being uh, above uh, average and uh, amongst the best, it means that our employees are doing an amazing job. So thank you all for your hard work. Madam Clerk. Okay.
1: So next is committee comments, ideas, questions, and meeting reports.
0: Any comments from the committee? Nope.
1: Any public comments for matters not on the agenda?
0: Madam Clerk, do we have any members on the public signed up to speak or in the chambers?
1: Um, Vice Chair, I have no hands raised to make comment on matters not on the agenda.
0: Okay, thank you, Madam Clerk. And that uh, adjour- uh, concludes our business of the day. So we're adjourned at three forty-four PM. Thanks everyone.
4: Good job. Good job.